Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The world's changing, and what are things we can do to, to transform our business and engage our fans globally in different ways? People are using their name and likeness to create more opportunities, more stakes in companies. In order to turn the organization around, we had to turn it around not only just on the baseball operations side, but on the business operations side. Football and any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to expand sports. You need to be consumed live, and that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. So, guys, we're getting to that point of the year where some of the things that we mark on our calendar are starting to kick off. The NFL season, obviously, is about to get underway. We had a great conversation with Chris Collinsworth last weekend about that. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about what's going on in Las Vegas. Certainly, things are revving up there as well. Let's talk about college football, college sports, one of our favorite uh, topics here. This week (laughs) came the announcement because it's a time of great realignment lynchy in the world of college sports the alliance i was joking with somebody earlier it sounds like something from a james bond movie or (laughs) um you know like a marvel movie but what it is is the acc the big 10 and the pac 10 coming together and saying well we're gonna sort of cooperate a little bit because (laughs) this juggernaut of the sec the new look sec with ou and texas uh coming in you know poses a real threat as it were to just overtake all of college football this whole alliance is so amorphous to me i really can't just you know i'd like to have it be like silly putty so i could just form something in my hands but it's a gentleman's agreement nothing written nothing signed and i think it's taking a little bit of a shot at the sec um they they talk about the academic standing of their schools uh, prioritizing and preserving uh, the collegiate model and you know if i'm the sec i'm saying hey you know Cut the baloney here. You're taking us a backhanded swipe at us right here. They want to bring stability to college athletics. Well, as long as there's big TV money and as long as the SEC's around, there'll, there'll be instability more than stability. Right. And, you know, this is in some ways, bar kind of a broadside against the, the NCAA <laughs> and its inability to kind of pull everything together. I mean, one thing that I found really interesting was that even though these, you know, commissioners of of these uh, respective conferences didn't talk specifically about compensation and NIL already people, including Jeffrey Kessler, who was the lead plaintiff's attorney uh, in the Alston case in front of the Supreme court was basically like, if you guys make one move toward (laughs) essentially colluding around player compensation, we're coming after you under, under antitrust. So this is going to be a mess. 
Well, SEC, look at what you did. <laughs> this is all a reaction because of that. So, at least uh, that I'm looking at it. it sure. Keep in mind, you got 41 teams now involved in this whole alliance thing here. And they're trying to, you know, keep the schedules in line and all of this and that, whatever. But you're seeing all of this now, you know, with this alliance now in the SEC. And you had two other teams join the SEC now. I think Texas uh, was involved in that. This is going – can you imagine – I don't even see – wait for an example. I, I can see somebody, some lawyer saying, you know what, like you said – don't even give me an example. I, I don't like this monopoly. This is like Standard Oil, and yeah. and this is what's going to turn out. Speaking of NCAA, uh, eligibility is always an interesting question. Uh. This is the feel-good story, Lynchy. I think. Yes. J.R. Smith, going back to school, not to play basketball. He did pretty well in that on, uh, on the pro level, but he didn't go to college. He's going to be a college golfer. He's 36 years old, jumped from high school to the NBA. This reminds me of Rodney Dangerfield in the yeah. movie Back to School with Thurston <laughs> Mellon, <laughs> who wound up being a diver on the swim team, and now J.R. Smith is going to be a golfer. You know, uh, this is really this is going to be something. And the golf coach says he's a good player, and we're glad to have him on the team. And he uh, already signed up for his first day of classes. I think he did had his first couple of classes remotely, and uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see this uh, bar. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be good for the team, too. It, guy's a good golfer. Yeah, look who got JR. I mean, this is great. <laughs> I, I am I am really impressed, and it's nice to see. I want to see how far he can go in this. Because, yeah. is, like uh, you guys said, I mean, you know, he played the Dickens out of the NBA. Now let's see what happens here. And I'm also glad, too, he made the call, and this is, you know, the personal thing in his life. I want to go back to college. Yeah. And and good for him. Uh, and it shows that it's never too late if you want to get a, an education, do it. Go ahead. If you, if you are like 102 and you still want an education, go out there and do it. Uh, you're not going to make it to the golf team. But still, I mean, it's go and do what you want to do and, and follow your heart and your dreams. Good for him. I'm just pointing out to anybody listening out there, any AD or, or coach, that Lynchy is the only one who sort of blew through his eligibility and had you know pretty successful season. But Michael Barr and I, you know, like I got four years of eligibility on my diet. I, I, I didn't, I didn't waste any of it uh, as an undergrad. So I'm, I am available um, and not good at anything. So in any case. Viva Las Vegas. Viva. All right, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what does. Thanks so much for joining us. Bar, are you just, are you like counting cards? Like, what are you doing right now? Does that just get you all jazzed up? Well, Jason and uh, Lynchy, you got to win this race. Oh, that was the worst Elvis that I've ever done in my life. Uh, man, you can't help but to get pumped up. Let's get the inside story of what is going on in Las Vegas. I was there uh, just about a month ago for the UFC fight and was just blown away by everything that's happening, not just in the world of fighting, but in the world of pro sports. The guy who's in the center of it all is Steve Hill. He is the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority president and CEO. 
pulling it all together in charge of that massive new stadium where the Las Vegas Raiders are playing. He joins us from Vegas. Steve, really good to have you with us. And I got to start by asking you, what is underneath all of this? Why are we seeing this now that Vegas is just exploding as a pro sports town? Well, start. Thank you for having me, and uh, we're we're excited about uh, what's happening here in, in Vegas. And sports is a huge part of that. You know, Vegas has always been a sports town, largely more on an individual event basis. Right. So we've been always known as kind of the boxing capital of the world, and uh, we've had NASCAR here for a long time, and a lot of different events uh, over the past decades. You know, over the last five or ten years, partially due to the rise of UFC, and then obviously the Golden Knights coming along and being so successful and integrating themselves into the community so well, and then the Raiders uh, committing to come to Vegas and making that happen. And you know, it's only been about five years since we first met the Raiders, and we're getting ready to enter their second season in a, in a stadium here. So all of that has just contributed to Vegas really being the sports capital along with everything else that we are known for. It used to be that you were the sports betting capital, and like you said, now you're the one of the sports capitals in the nation. It, it, the transformation for Las Vegas, uh, can you take us more through that? It, it's almost like it, there's downtown Vegas, and then obviously there's the Strip, and now sports is exploding. Yeah, and it really has. And, and frankly, from a professional sports standpoint, it was all fairly sudden. There's been a sports culture in Vegas, as I said, for, for a long time. But if you had asked anybody here six or seven years ago, particularly, would we have an NFL team in Las Vegas? That was probably the, one of the last things that we thought would happen. You know, the evolution of sports gambling and in-game betting and all of that has really played a role. Um, you know, the, the argument that Vegas has made for a long time is that people are going to gamble and having it regulated, having great oversight, Nevada being the gold standard for that, frankly, that's, that's a better environment than having it, you know, done where the sun's not shining. And that realization has taken hold. Uh, you know, you've seen NFL owners invest in those businesses, and that started even uh, slightly before professional sports started here in Las Vegas. But that statement, that story that Las Vegas has told for a long time, um, I think the professional sports leagues started to realize, you know, that's actually true. And it is much better... Uh, that this is regulated and uh, allowed to happen in a, a way that everybody involved knows is fair and maintains the integrity of each of the leagues and the sports. And that has uh, played a big role in uh, allowing the professional sports teams to come. And then, you know, the individual commitment from Bill Foley and the Knights and Mark Davis and the Raiders and their really successful introduction to the city and integration has allowed for even more interest um, beyond them. You had, uh, it's the second year of the Raiders, as you said, but no fans last year, and you had your 
a preseason game against Seattle. Tell me how everything went. They had uh, almost a full house there, and you know, there's nothing like opening night. It's exciting, but when it's the first night, uh, there are all kinds of uh, headaches and problems that can be avoided or just sort of pop up unexpected. How did it go? Yeah, the, the, the evening went really well, and the you know, from a fan experience standpoint. Uh, I mean, I guess I'd just start with the level of excitement for an exhibition game was pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, we did a ribbon cutting uh, for the fans to come into the stadium for really the first time at that scale for professional football. And we did that three and a half hours before kickoff and had a packed audience out front. Everybody was excited to be able to finally come to a Raiders game. You know, you build up an awful lot of anticipation for last year and then can't do it. And so that anticipation just continued to grow. And you saw that with a packed house to, you know, the first exhibition game of the season, which you don't usually see, um, you know, from a fan experience around the stadium, the stadium really benefited from having some real major events prior to this exhibition game. We had a, uh, full house for a Garth Brooks concert on July 10th. We had a full house for the CONCACAF Gold Cup final between the USA and Mexico on August 1st and learned a lot uh, from those events, um, primarily around parking and traffic and getting 65,000 people uh, efficiently and easily into the stadium. And the lessons learned from those two events, which you know, kind of understandably and predictably were bumpy. Uh, you know, nobody had, nobody locally had had the opportunity to go to the stadium, didn't really know where they were going to park, didn't really know what the best route to get to their parking spot was. Like everybody else in the country, the stadium has had uh, some difficulty having full uh, em- employment, uh, full staffing uh, for these events. And all of those things played into, um, you know, some rough patches in those first really major events. Uh, it was much smoother for this exhibition game. You know, still some things that need to be worked out, but uh, really just a, a great night, and everybody was excited to be able to be there, and it was really a fun environment. All right, Steve, let's go there. Let's talk about pro sports, the state of play, but also where you may be going the elephants in the room, as it were. You got two of them. You got the two biggies in terms of pro football and the National Hockey League. Talk to me about basketball and talk to me about baseball. We think, frankly, that it is inevitable that those two leagues will have teams here you know, in the next five or ten years. We think it makes a lot of sense. And I would throw uh, the MLS into that yeah. conversation as well. Uh, because obviously the city is pursuing uh, an MLS franchise on a couple of fronts. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big soccer town as well. Um, so uh, we think all three of those make sense for Las Vegas. Um, the, the NBA obviously has a, at least an initial facility at T-Mobile Arena, uh, they would have to share with the Golden Knights, but uh, that certainly was, uh, the idea when that arena was built, and it's a terrific facility, and um, that makes it, from 
you know, building the facility standpoint is unnecessary for the NBA, which helps smooth that path. Uh, obviously, the A's are uh, at least exploring Las Vegas, uh, so that's certainly at least a possibility. And as I said, the MLS effort has has been underway for well over a year now. So um, all of those seem likely to me over a reasonable period of time. Who would be the aggressor in one of those teams winding up there? The your convention and visitors authority or the leagues themselves? Yeah, and I, you know, I, the the term aggressor is, I mean, I kind of get what you mean, but it's <laughs> yeah. probably not how I would phrase it. Suitor. How about well, I, suitor? I, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. didn't want to say the, yeah. the, the hunter or the hunted. But the... <laughs> There's wooing that yeah, happens, I mean... isn't there? <laughs> well, really what it boils down to is um, an owner of a team uh, ultimately has choices on where that team will be. And what we do is present what Las Vegas has to offer. Whoever that owner happens to be needs to make a decision that, you know, I'd like to be in Las Vegas. This is um, where I see my franchise best situated. And let's see if we can make something like that work. The, Competing against other cities, I don't really think is an accurate description of what we do um, or really all that effective. I, I suppose there are locations that can try and buy a franchise away. But if you have to do that, I'm not sure that it's the best fit. And really what we try and do is present why we think Las Vegas would be a great fit. And it's up to those owners of those teams to figure out if it is the best match for them. Um, the the success of the Knights and the Raiders, uh, which has been pretty unprecedented across those leagues, uh, really helps that conversation. And it kind of in and of itself draws interest from uh, team owners. Um, so Vegas isn't a tough sell. I mean, I often say I have the easiest sales job in the world. Selling Vegas is not a tough thing to do. Yeah. So um, we're, we're going to get interest. Um, but, you know, the owners can have choices, and um, we're not trying to really show the best of Vegas while we are denigrating other cities. There are other great cities out there. But we think Vegas is a pretty obvious choice at some point for each of those leagues. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And and obviously respecting that there are confidential conversations going on, Steve. I mean, tell us about what you can about the A's in, in particular, because obviously this is a situation that's playing out very publicly. How does that change the way that you have to go about this sort of courtship uh, process, which again is playing out in, in front of all of our eyes? Well, um, I don't know that it being public is, really changes much. It's frankly, in any one of these situations, it is 
way more than likely that it's <laughs> it's going to be known. It's not like you're going to keep these things a secret. And, yeah. You know, we, we, we went through a very public process with the Raiders where uh, that conversation happened in front of the Tourism Infrastructure Committee in public meetings um, over the course of about 15 months. So they're not all going to be quite that public. Um, and you know, the conversation with the A's because of the situation doesn't need to be, but um, they're all public. So you just, you know, it's just part of the deal. Well, Steve, one, what is it going to take for the A's to get there? And two, for that matter, any pro baseball team, what will it take to get them there? I, I know what Vegas has to offer. I mean, Vegas is a sports town. Sports fans uh, across the country are Vegas fans typically too. Right. And so, you know, from a tourism standpoint, visiting fans coming to Las Vegas, when you compare that to virtually any place else, I think any place else, uh, they're going to look at a schedule and say, I want to go see my team in Vegas. Uh, and, you know, you see that happening with the Knights and the Raiders where it is very easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult for those teams to maintain a home field or a home ice advantage. Uh, they have to work to do it um, and to limit uh, the number of tickets that are sold to um, fans outside of the area uh, so that they can. So from, from that standpoint, you know, Vegas has a real advantage. It, we have 128 different cities in the United States with direct connections on flights. Probably the easiest city in the United States to get to on a direct flight um, out there. Um, so, from a tourist standpoint, it, it is very attractive because it really adds um, the potential for attendees that most cities really can't match. Um, and then the the convenience of Las Vegas uh, once you're here is great too. You know, the, the airport is right beside the Strip. The venues, at least so far, are basically on the Strip. And so, you know, you land, you can go to a hotel, you can get right to the game. Um, and then the experience around that game is completely different when you're here. Right. Um, in, in most other markets, it's, a, you know, an hour drive to the, to the event. You might be stuck in traffic for a while, both before and after. You might eat before or after with the folks you went with, and then you go home. Where, you know, Vegas, you can turn it into a three-day event. You can, I mean, you know, we had on July 10th, we had Garth Brooks at the stadium. We had a UFC event at T-Mobile Arena. And then we had people going from the UFC event at T-Mobile, walking across Toshiba Plaza to go see Bruno Mars at the park after the fight at the arena. Um, you just don't get that opportunity uh, anyplace else. Um, we have available parcels for uh, a stadium to be built, uh, whether that's for baseball or for soccer. And then you've got a, you know, a big local audience that um, are all sports fans too. And um, so those types of things don't exist other places. And that's um, a real attraction. So, we, we think we're a great place for this, and 
Uh, you know, like I said, the owners of those teams need to figure that out for themselves. I have two questions. Uh, first, uh, I want to ask about Las Vegas in general, because when you think of Vegas, first thing that comes to my mind is betting. And now with online betting in a lot of states, how has that impacted Vegas in general uh, for revenue compared to online betting? And will uh, Las Vegas one day uh, adapt to that? The effect on Vegas, you know, given that we've gone through about 18 months of a pandemic is, you know, if you look at it from a data perspective, a little hard to figure out um, because obviously the city has been gone from being closed for 10 weeks to opening and having to go through the ups and downs of the pandemic. What I will say is that what helps that industry typically helps Vegas too. Uh, the, The companies that are largely at the center of online gaming or in-game betting uh, are all headquarters in Las Vegas. So what helps them generally helps Vegas. And Vegas typically, almost universally, knows how to, you know, we call it reinventing ourselves, but really what we've done is continued to add uh, to what the city has. So we want every confidence that we will, um, not only figure all that out, but lead that effort. Uh, I think it's a an economic development opportunity generally for the city as well, because the the development of those products um, all around uh, the sports industry that is now here has real potential into the future, and I, I think Las Vegas will be one of the centers for that uh, going forward as well. And so, uh, Steve. You mentioned the UFC fight, and I, I was fortunate to, to be working on a, a piece a few weeks ago, and so I was there for UFC 264, and, and I can attest to the fact that people poured out of that arena, and I don't think anybody went back to their hotel. <laughs> I certainly didn't. I had a great dinner uh, on the strip after that with some friends. Um, you know, the UFC has been such a fascinating piece of of the recent history, you know, recent being over the last uh, 20 years and certainly over the last 10 I know that your vice chairman on the stadium authority is Lawrence Epstein, the the COO of the UFC. Help us understand how the UFC both sort of enhances but also reflects the sort of modern Vegas. Yeah, the the, the, the UFC story here is pretty remarkable. You know, the Fertitas bought uh, UFC about 20 years ago for $2 million dollars. And 15 years later, sold it for $4 billion. Uh, and, you know, it's obviously stayed involved um, uh, with IMG and, uh, you know, it, its evolution. But it, it has been a remarkably successful franchise and a great success story for Las Vegas. And the, the folks at US, UFC will tell you that the partnership with Las Vegas has been a big part of their success um but um, you, you know not certainly the uh, you know what everybody knows about ufc the fights and uh, the athletes and uh, their remarkable successes has been really important for vegas but um 
that organization is also exceptionally innovative and entrepreneurial so they you know if you've been to their facility yeah uh, the technology they employ there is remarkable the care that they give uh, the athletes is cutting edge and they just keep expanding that envelope and um, you know their success over 20 years i think um was helpful in um, attracting Mr. Foley and the Knights and the Raiders, and um, they're they're just great partners for everyone in the community. So having them here has made a huge difference. Good golly, can you imagine if Las Vegas got the Super Bowl? That you talk about <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in <laughs> Vegas. No, that it wouldn't stay in Vegas that night. That I I can just imagine what the city would be like having the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Can you expand on that? Well, and we certainly look forward to uh, helping make that happen, and uh, feel confident that it will at some point. And obviously, there's some. Probably some rumors out there, or stories about that that you can reference. But um, we really look forward to it. I mean, when, when the stadium was built, um, a part of the reason that it was uh, built was invested in with with room tax um, was to bring the largest events in the world to Las Vegas, and we just didn't have a, a venue here that could do that. Um, the football field that. UNLV used to play on needed to be replaced. It's fairly remote. It's probably 12, 15 miles east of the strip out on the edge of town. And that was not going to be the place that any of this happened. Um, and, you know, the largest venue we had was T-Mobile Arena. So bringing the Super Bowl, bringing the college football national championship, bringing the final four, bringing those, you know, the, the largest stadium concerts, um, which we're seeing real interest in. It was a big reason that um, uh, our legislature and really the people in Nevada were willing to invest uh, that much money into the stadium to make it happen. And we feel comfortable that all that's going to play out. Uh, having a Super Bowl in my, I mean, you know, there are more people now who come to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl than go to the city that has, <laughs> is actually hosting the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so <laughs> being able to actually have the game here uh, when that happens is, is going to be something. Steve, I was going to ask you what your wish list uh, would be, but I think you just answered that question <laughs> for me. Uh, <laughs> um, outside of MLB, uh, NBA, um, MLS, uh, anything else up there that um, you'd love to see come to fruition? Final Four? Yeah, no, certainly um, Final Four is uh, is on our list. Um, all of those, uh, you know, marquee events that, you know, there's only about 12 domed stadiums uh, in the United States, and uh, we're, we're going to be a very competitive venue for every one of those major events that happens uh, in a venue like that. Well, Steve, it's been really, really good uh, catching up with you. Obviously, it's an incredibly exciting time 
for your city. A lot of hard work obviously goes into it. A lot of infrastructure has been built there. So we we imagine we'll be talking to you more uh, in the not too distant future because that timeline you laid out, it, it's going to be a very different city when it comes to pro sports. Already is, uh, but it feels like there's a lot on the horizon. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we, we appreciate the interest. Happy to talk anytime. Thanks for having me. So, guys, what a moment that Las Vegas is having. And, you know, if you put it in historical context, you know, for a long time, Vegas was the place you would go to gamble on teams that weren't there. And all of a sudden, they've really been able to refashion themselves. You know, the evolution of Las Vegas has been fascinating to watch. This is a real moment that they are having. And if they are able to get the A's or any baseball team, the A's seem the most likely, uh, and an NBA team, which, again, seems somewhat inevitable based on not just what Steve Hill said, but what the NBA has said and what uh, potential owners and current owners say. I mean, this could be one of the most exciting sports towns in America, Lynchy. <laughs> and I love what Steve had to say. It's become a destination for visiting teams. So, Jason, you're an Atlanta guy. The Falcons are playing against the Raiders in November. Hey, that's a road trip. We're going to go down there and go to Vegas, baby. Or Michael Barr says the Red Wings are playing against the Golden Knights in February. We're going to make a road trip. He says sometimes it's hard to tell who the home team is because so many people come from out of town. And this is going to make Las Vegas an even more desirable destination. Yeah, and, and the fan base, even the, the sort of natural fan base, is surprising as well, Bar. I mean, in the sense, you know, being out there, you see a lot of Golden Knights, license plates. I mean, it's just, it's a town that's built for excitement, and, and you know that as a degenerate gambler. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> but you know what's, what's, what's funny is that you usually when you go to Vegas and you're watching a sports game, it's because you got some money on the yeah. game. What's starting to happen now is that people are watching the games not because they got money on it, it's because they're homers. You're watching yeah. a Knights game. You're going to be watching the Raiders game. And just just cheering because you want to cheer. That, I think, is really cool. It's it's way more than UNLV. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, number of the week, let's do it. Mm. Here's our quick setup. Uh, it's a great time for Major League Soccer. They're going into negotiations for its next TV contract. Mm. And the league goes into the final two months of the regular season with ratings not only up significantly over last season, but 2019 as well. What I want to know, according to what the numbers are, ABC ESPN is averaging what number per telecast? The number of people who are watching each game? Uh, averaging, yes, at the average okay. per telecast. I'm going to say, I'm going to be relatively conservative uh, and say quarter of a million, 250,000. Okay, he's locked in at 250, right? 250. I'm going I'm to chop his legs out from underneath him. I'm going to go with like uh, 225, 225,000. Final answer. Wow. And usually I thought you were going to get it because usually you go higher. Yeah. E, the ABC ESPN average per telecast is 384,000. Wow. 
That is up fifty percent from last season and thirty nine percent from twenty nineteen. That's a big jump. That's a huge jump. Fox FS one they had a fourteen percent increase over last year, averaging two hundred thirty one thousand. Hmm. Well, that's good news. Yeah, it's yeah, good I mean, news for big. soccer. And again, they're going to head into TV contracts now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they're like um, they're, they're rubbing their hands is like you know what? Guess what? You you're going to be paying too. So yeah, paying a that's more. good. That's good. Well, I mean, it's also interesting. I think to to think about how you know even amid all this turmoil in you know the media landscape and how people are viewing things if, if people are still tuning in you know live sports they're the last bastion of uh, of the broadcast and, and cable world yeah. so interesting to yeah. see uh, how that deal turns out you've been listening to bloomberg business of sports we're here each and every week for you at the same time plus online wherever you get your podcast those drop on mondays wednesdays and thursdays you can always catch us on twitter i'm jason kelly find me there at jason kelly news And I'm Mike Lynch, the guy with the big L on his forehead right now for this week's number of the week. I'll be back next week stronger than ever, as they say in Boston. You can find me at LynchyWCBV. And I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.